Welcome to the Get Fit AF with Angie Fraser podcast, a fitness channel with a difference. We aim to challenge traditional views on fitness and what it means to be fit AF. We cover real questions from real people, including my clients and friends, chat with inspiring and passionate people, and maybe the odd rant along the way. Join us to get fit AF without the bullshit. Hello, thanks for coming to my practical fat loss workshop. Um, I've been wanting to run a lot of these in person and I have done in the past, um, being a personal trainer and nutritionist as well. Um, I really enjoy delivering these sessions in person and speaking to people in person. But, uh, you know, we're in lockdown, so we need to do things online. And I think it's a really good time to start rethinking maybe how we approach our nutrition goals given the situations that we're in and the tough time that a lot of us are having at the moment. So there are a lot of ways to approach your nutrition, whether it's for fat loss, whether it's for training performance, whether it's just for general health. Um, and they are all, and body composition incorporating muscle growth also, they're very they're all very different goals, but we tend to lump them together. And what I find is that people tend to believe that new nutrition or looking at their nutrition means looking really closely at numbers like macros, using tracking apps like MyFitnessPal, like calorie counting, um, weighing and measuring food limiting the times of days that you eat. They are all examples of ways to get your calorie intake down. And I think that most people that are joining this talk would understand the concept of calories in, calories out, and how that relates to fat loss or your nutrition in general, weight maintenance, maintaining a healthy weight or even weight gain. Uh, I think it's really important to point out that while that is a priority, while that is the case, it's, it's not as simple as that. Um, and there are many ways to approach your nutrition, as I said at the start, that don't necessarily relate to the extra stress and mental energy and effort required to count some of the numbers that we frequently see people give as nutrition strategies for people. Now, a lot of times counting numbers such as macros, calories, and bearing in mind that when you're counting macros, you're counting calories as well. So I'll just put that out there. Um, it's just a different way of counting your energy intake. Um, they require mental effort, but they can be really accurate ways to do a fat loss or any nutrition goal because you have your numbers to work with. But Quite often when people do these kinds of strategies, counting strategies for a long time, they start to um, get a little bit fatigued with it. And that's shown in the research around fat loss and long-term weight management as well, that there is such a thing as tracking fatigue. And what it means is that we get, it doesn't mean that calorie counting doesn't work. It means that we start to make errors in our tracking 
um, which are just human errors um, and it's natural. We get a bit tired of doing the process and we start to fudge the numbers and stop seeing the results. So even though I'm talking to these strategies during like a lockdown scenario that we're in at the moment, they certainly apply outside of this scenario as well. And I'll just a reminder for those that are coming on at the moment, I am recording this um, and I can edit this section out as well, but I'm I've got like a little bit of an overview to um, talk to on this, but I'm happy to answer any questions if you want to pop them into the chat box as we go along. So just talking about, you know, the mental energy required to count calories, do tracking methods for fat loss or for nutrition during times of um, difficult times or times when life is, you know, a bit challenging such as now. Um, and so one of my main priorities during this lockdown period with my clients has been not to add more stress for them in terms of making sure they hit certain fitness targets um, because people have got a lot of stress going on in their life. So what we're probably more than likely seeing if you're human and you're like myself as well, we're probably seeing an increase in, you know, non-hunger-based eating during this time, particularly what we might call emotional eating as well, um, which I would characterize as eating due to habit or because of an emotional state and not necessarily due to physiological hunger. And I'm going to speak to that as we go along. And what we're also seeing is potentially for a lot of us, a decrease in energy expenditure. And that's the perfect storm for eating in a surplus and moving less than we perhaps normally would, which as you well know, will ultimately over time, not necessarily a day-to-day -day basis, but over a period of time, that often results in gaining body fat, unwanted weight. And as I said at the start, while nutrition may not be a priority for a lot of us at the moment or doing particular nutrition habits, eventually it does come around to bite us if we completely drop the ball. And we kind of end up either back where we started from or gaining some extra weight and looking to start the fat loss process again by joining up to a challenge or getting some coaching um, or doing more exercise, um, whatever your choice may be. Um, some are more some are more effective than others. So the three main strategies I want to talk about tonight that don't relate to tracking calories, macros, um, they're the main sort of numbers that people will go to track. The three main strategies I want to talk to is um, one, changing up your eating routine and listening to your appetite versus your physiological hunger. Two, increasing your fibrous foods and foods that contain a lot of water content. And we're speaking to fruits and veggies here, not just those, but yes. Um, and increasing your lean sources of protein, but without really needing to count that. So that comes down to food selection. And I just want to say at the start of this, while some of these 
strategies might seem a little bit scary, nutritional strategies. They might sound a bit complicated. Um, you, they don't need to be perfect. So we're still trying to move away from that notion that there's a perfect number for you, such as a calorie target, such as a protein target, um, such as the amount of exercise that you do. It's moving away from that notion and starting to trust yourself to put these kinds of strategies in place on a day-to-day -day basis. And what I really don't want to do is overcomplicate it. So if you do have any questions, pop them into the chat box and I'm happy to answer them as we go along. I won't harp on and on. There are so many directions I could take this talk in tonight. I want to make it relevant to you. Um, so definitely um, pop any questions in for me. Um, otherwise, I'll just keep going, sticking to the three main strategies that I was going to talk about and how you might implement them. So number one, changing up your eating routine. What I really mean by that is that we, again, coming back to that notion that we eat a lot due to habit, we have social conditioning that leads us to eat sort of according to the clock. And maybe that was helpful in days where maybe everyone was on a similar schedule. Um, maybe there wasn't so much convenient food available and maybe people were more physically active as part of their jobs. But we're now in a scenario where we're all sitting a lot more, myself included, if I'm not really mindful of that. A lot of my work can still be seated work. Uh, we're sitting a lot more. We're not moving around as much. We've got more access to food and we're not really, we're, we're not really working regular hours as a whole community. So maybe moving away from having those regular meal times with families with a lot of shift work, um, irregular work hours, longer work hours. So um, if you have a particular way of eating when you're at work or in your regular um, pattern and your regular routine, and now you're confined to the house a lot more, like myself, if you're, it can be useful, and this has been shown in the research as well, if you're a regular breakfast eater and you suddenly, or you switch to being a non-breakfast eater, you may get some fat loss benefit from that and vice versa. If you take non-breakfast eaters and get them to start eating breakfast, there can be a weight loss effect in that changing up that routine. Um, and what it's thought is that just maybe the routine's being changed up to bring them somehow into a calorie deficit over the course of the day. So remembering that your calorie deficit applies day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month. No, I, I try not to get people into this mentality of like I was in a deficit this day so I can relax a bit the next day because what that does as a general rule is brings you into a calorie surplus over the period of the week or over the period of the month which sort of leaves people treading water in terms of their um, weight loss goals um, but changing up your eating routine and an example of this in lockdown could be that 
you might not need to wake up and eat breakfast straight away right now because you're potentially not going out the door and not having another opportunity to eat again until much later. So just checking in with yourself, are you hungry when you first wake up? If you are, try and include some lean protein in, in your first meal for the day. If you're ready to eat, that can be quite handy in managing appetite for the rest of the day. I'm going to talk a bit more to that later. Um, or even if you, if you are hungry and you, you don't, even if you don't normally eat breakfast and you switch to eating breakfast and including that lean source of protein, you may find that it helps to manage your appetite throughout the day while you're in the home and hopefully reduce some of that snacking as well. Another way that you could change up your eating routine is to reduce the total number of meals that you're eating for the day. So listening into that appetite, again, it's telling you whether you're moving enough, whether you're moving as much as you normally do, whether you need um, some food. And I'm a perfect example of this. I noticed in the first couple of, the first week or so of lockdown, I was going to eat when I normally would, but I was finding quite often that I wasn't hungry. Now I would have eaten out of pure habit and the desire for food, which is appetite. Um, but being not genuinely hungry and wanting food, I had to check in and think, okay, I'm. this is telling me that I'm really not moving as much as I normally do. When we talk about that movement, we're talking about incidental movements and so not just the exercise that you do. I'm, I'm doing more exercise now than I probably normally would because I'm not leaving the houses at, well, at all. Um, so I've got more time to sort of get a little workout in here and there. So I'm doing workouts more frequently, but I can guarantee you that I'm moving less. I'm sitting more. My incidental movement is down compared to what it normally is. And it doesn't matter if I go for a 10 kilometer walk every day. If I come and sit at my computer, which I will do tomorrow for my other job, and I slump at it for five hours straight, I'm barely, you know, doing good posture. I'm barely talking like I am right now and waving my hands. That is your incidental movement. So it's not literally your steps. It's your posture, it's your facial tone, it's your fidgeting. Now, I'm not a natural fidgeter. So we probably all can think of a friend that we have that maintains a low body fat percentage seemingly effortlessly. They seem to eat what they like and they don't gain weight. Have a closer look at them next time and see how much they fidget it definitely contributes to your incidental movement. I know people like this. And once I started to understand the, these mechanisms of energy expenditure, I one person in particular, she swears black and blue, she eats um, junk food all day and she does have a pretty poor diet. She looks amazing. She will never stop moving. She barely sits down and her, and it's just natural. It's not that she's doing it on purpose. She's not doing it because she understands these mechanisms because she doesn't. Otherwise she, she wouldn't just offhandedly say, well, I eat whatever I like. She thinks it's due to the exercise she does too, but it's her 
total daily energy expenditure all day, every day, the legs going. She's getting down and up out of her chair. She can't sit still. Some people are just naturally like that. Some people, even though they eat junk, to have a natural um, response to the satiety hormone. So they may get, they may be eating junk food, but they're probably getting fuller quicker than someone like myself, or they're getting that satiety signal quicker. So they're going to intake less calories. Now, not all of us have the gift of having a naturally lower appetite. Um, so there are variances there. And this is where we need to bring things into place, um, such as the second point, increasing fibrous foods like leafy green fruits and vegetables, uh, salad and vegetables, plus fruits, because they have a high water content, they have a high fiber content, and you're getting a lot of volume of food for less calories. So that satiety signal that I mentioned is um, regulated by a hormone and I won't get too technical here. And I'm also not very scientifically minded, but my basic understanding of it is, is that you have stretch receptors in your stomach. And when your stomach becomes fuller, those stretch receptors signal that satiety hormone. So if we think about those fibrous foods, and what, you know, a cup of vegetables looks like, and it's probably worth, you know, 100 calories or less, a cup of steamed vegetables. It's not as appealing as obviously some of these other things that we've got access to. But you think about the space that that takes up versus your Snickers, your whatever else, what other things, no, you know, calorie dense foods. So those foods, you know, they, they're taking up less space. They're higher in calories. So chocolate's the main thing that comes to mind for me, because that's something that I could eat quite a lot of and take in quite a lot of calories in a short amount of time. We all have those foods. Um, everyone else in my family loves ice cream. I'm not particularly a huge fan of that, but we've all got our foods that we like to get in. Um, so using more of those fibrous foods each meal sounds boring. It's hard to do, but you may need to get to the shops, you know, twice a week, plan to get to the shops at least twice a week to stock up on them. So you've got them available in your fridge and that may even come down. And I never personally do this. I wish that I was the kind of person that did this. And it's a, probably a goal of mine probably should work on that during lockdown, but you know, Having them pre-prepped like your vegetable sticks um, or your salad for the day so that when you do get physically hungry, whenever your lunchtime is going to be, it's all prepped there ready for you to go and eat so you're not giving yourself a choice when you're in lockdown. Because I know that if I go to the, and I've done it many times this lockdown, if I do not prepare and I wander into the kitchen, by the time I am genuinely hungry, I'm going to grab whatever's closest to me and eat it. So some of that is also, you know, changing your food environment, making sure I don't keep chocolate in the house. I go out and get it if I want some. So that's making it a little bit harder for me because if it's here, I just eat it all. And as I say, everyone's got their foods that they do that with. So it's, this is not about um, depriving yourself to the point where you may binge on it. It's just trying to enjoy 
enjoy it when you do come across it rather than making it a regular thing. So it's more of a special occasion to go out and get it and make the effort to have it if you really, really want it. And it's a good idea to even try having some of those foods that may trigger you. This is going off track a little bit, but try having some of those inverted commas trigger foods when you do have high willpower rather than waiting until your willpower is low. So you're kind of taking that food off that pedestal, hopefully, psychologically. So increasing fibrous foods to manage your appetite during the day. Um, increasing lean sources of protein. So I refer to protein and people probably freak out and think, oh, she you know, wants us to count our macros. That's not the case. Um, I have a really simple method when I want to bring my um, eating back into check and just make it a bit healthier. Um, the first thing I do is in, just say to myself, every time I eat, I'm going to include a lean source of protein. Now, that might sound overwhelming, but it's basically your lean meats, your chicken, your fish, eggs, yogurt. That's about it. Because sometimes we do see plant-based foods like nuts and seeds and lentils, um, beans put into the category of protein foods when people do like infographics. But I would consider, well, they are primarily your nuts and seeds are a source of dietary fat. Um, your beans and lentils are, are predominantly carbohydrate. While they do have protein content, they're probably not primarily a lean source of protein. So uh, things like cottage cheese as well, a good source of protein. That's what I can think of off the top of my head at the moment. Chuck something in if you like. But that could mean for me even snacking on um, whey protein as well. But that's, that's not a great snack for me because I don't find that it manages my appetite. It just increases my total daily protein intake and it's convenient. But if you're talking about food-based sources, which is ideally where you get your protein, your daily protein from, then you are looking at those foods that I just mentioned. So how do you snack on those is the big question for a lot of people. Um, I like to boil eggs sometimes, put a little bit of salt on them um, because they're convenient as well. Tubs of yogurt, even protein bars. I like the protein bars from Aldi just because you can chuck them in your bag if you're going somewhere. Um, not that we're going anywhere, but I actually have that when I feel a bit like chocolate because <laughs> then I've got the Aldi ones that like they're 200 calories, but they've got about 20 grams of protein in them. So that's not too bad, but they do kind of taste a bit like a chocolate. So, um, that's handy too. Um, tubs of yogurt as well, like just little single serve tubs or, um, getting you plain Greek yogurt. I had, um, a bit of yogurt um strawberries so fibrous food so there you go there's my pro this was my lunch today because I needed to eat the strawberries and this is how I wanted to eat them so I had plain Greek yogurt I didn't measure my food but I do if my clients have a fat loss goal I do recommend they they measure their portions um, because eyeballing is not great when you want to lose body fat um, but I would say I probably had about 150 grams of plain Greek yogurt. I had half a punnet of strawberries. So what's that? That's probably like 120 grams of strawberries. So by the time I trimmed them, might have been 100 grams. Um, 
And I want to say it, it, it probably was a bit more muesli than I would have if I measured it correctly. But let's say 40 to 50 grams of um, a granola. So that's probably a bit more than what I would have if I was looking to um, manage my portion sizes. Um, so it's, it's just, again, it comes down to being prepared and having those things on hand. I quite like, you know, the little flavoured roast chicken um, packets from Coles as well. They're really handy to just keep in the fridge so you can snack on that. Sometimes I'll get some thinly sliced cheese and wrap the chicken in the cheese and that's quite nice as well. Um, you could wrap, you could have chicken wraps with like as a snack with, what have I seen people wrap? Oh, like, wrap it in lettuce leaves or something like that just to to boost it up a little bit but it's once you get a roll on it once you practice it and you find the foods that you like um you you get into a good routine and I know a lot of people don't like being in an eating routine but it really does help because it takes away that um decision fatigue that you have every day like we we don't eat the same dinners all the time and I am a fair bit more flexible with my dinners on a day-to-day -day basis um, when I'm in my normal routine. I'm a bit, a bit more flexible with my dinners for my family. So if I know that my family want to have like a big lasagna or something for dinner, I'm not going to say no to that. But what I will do is just look at what I'm eating the rest of the day. Um, and again, I'm not tracking anything at the moment. I'm just doing these habit-based nutrition strategies. Um, so I think I've touched on appetite versus hunger, increasing fibrous foods. So make sure you include those each main meal. I just want to go back to the notion of changing up your eating routine, like how many meals a day you eat. Uh, probably the easiest way to reduce your calorie intake, if that's a concern for you during lockdown, is just to give yourself times of day to eat for a start. So, well, a window for when you may be hungry and then trying to space that out about three to four hours between with no snacking. Let's, I'm going to be really brutal here and say that none of us are going to pass out from not eating for, unless we have a medical condition, but as a general healthy people, people who are working from home in lockdown, you're not at any risk people working in an office, you're going to be fine without food for around about three to four hours at least most of the time. We just think that we're not going to be and we're just so used to having that food available. And going back to listening to your hunger signals, so hunger is different for everybody, but listening to when you are genuinely hungry so you've got that hollow feeling in your stomach, um, you might feel a little bit lightheaded or have a headache um, versus when you just feel like you want some food because it's the time of day that you would normally eat. Um, allowing yourself to feel that hunger allows those hormones that I spoke about before to become more resensitized. That's what they're thinking. They're thinking that because we're eating so frequently and moving a lot less, is that we're not actually getting those hunger and satiety signals as well as we may have in the past. 
So structuring your day of eating in advance, even having a plan for the day, and it might look different each day, like um, Heather's a shift worker. So you might eat different amounts of food depending on what you're doing. So when you're at work, I recommend this for my shift workers a lot is to try to get that calorie intake down when you're sitting a lot for work and you're expending less energy those days so that you can actually have more calories on your days off and get some really good quality training in, um, start to, to feel better again and just enjoy the food those days. Um, but what we do often find is that people are snacking on, you know, those calorie dense foods at work because, out of pure boredom, stress, frustration, um, fatigue management. Well, it's not a great fatigue management strategy, but that's what we tend to do when we're feeling tired is look for those calorie dense foods. So did anyone have any questions on what I've mentioned so far? I don't, I hope that it doesn't sound complicated. I hope that it doesn't sound too simplistic. Having said that though, more often than not, it's the simple strategies that work most effectively while we look for a more complicated answer. So just practicing these strategies, um, keeping a note of it. So I, I talk about non-tracking. What I mean is not feeling the pressure to, to use calorie counting apps or um, or counting macros or really looking in depth at your nutrition. But it's a good idea. Say if you wanted to implement these, just do yourself up a little daily list, tick it off each day or plan your day ahead so that you're actually going to be able to implement these strategies. So having uh, lean sources of protein and fibrous foods available, as I said, generally for me, it means that I need to go out to the shops midweek after I've done my shop on the weekend to replace those, to replenish those fibrous foods, make sure they're available. Um, and quite often I find myself just observationally that I my preference for those types of foods changes. It's like I'll have a, like a little fad on something like green beans or um, cauliflower, for example, and I just start using having that with everything for a while and then I'll sort of move to something else. For a long time I didn't really like eating bananas and now I'm kind of eating those again. Um, apples, I'm not a huge fan of fruit. Um, other than berries but you know I start I go through these periods where I start incorporating them again watermelon's another one if you can pick up some nice watermelon that I like to sort of just snack on as well yeah um, so having those available and planning your day to only sort of eat when you need to I do talk about listening to your appetite which requires tuning in like I was saying when when my energy expenditure went down I really noticed that my um my hunger levels dropped so to a degree that meant that I wasn't eating at the normal times of day that I normally would so while I say sort of plan if you plan your meals out and have them available for when you are physically hungry that's probably the best way to go, but making sure that you're not just grazing all day because you definitely will go into that surplus quite easily. We're human, it's what we do. Yeah, <laughs> we do. That could be a whole other talk in itself because I'm reading a book about that at the moment about 
how we're designed to look for high calorie food and then gorge on it because we were going to be in like long stretches without food in the past, but our brain's still wired to do that. So if we were out like hunter gathering in the past, if we come across a beehive or whatever, we would like consume as much honey as we gorge ourselves on it because we'd go then like weeks without food. And that's definitely not happening now, but we're still kind of wired. Like when we get those chocolates and stuff, like it sort of sends those signals apparently. And that's very interesting. So I might leave it at that guys. I hope you've got something out of this. Um, as I say, it's a big wide subject and you can go off into all directions. I certainly can with it, depending on the situation, the person, um but yeah don't don't put pressure on yourself to do a, um I didn't want to say advanced or more difficult nutritional strategies if you're not in the headspace I'm certainly not at the moment personally but we do need to have some level of habit-based stuff in place to make sure that we're not ending up at that start line again and again um, and then having to do a lot of work in a short a space of time. So as always, message me if you have any questions on the stuff that I've talked about or if you would like help. And sleep is very important for managing your um, hunger levels and your weight as well. So on that note, I'm going to go to bed. So <laughs> thank you for coming on, guys. And I'll talk to you um, when I see you. Bye.